This week, the wrestling world lost two very important people, Bray Wyatt and Terry Funk. Please join us before the episode begins in honouring them with a 10-bell salute. Welcome to episode six of Down Under the Ring. Obviously, today is going to be a huge show. We have got all the conversation about All In, as well as a little bit at the beginning here of remembering two fallen brothers. Fid, it's not the usual start to the day. How are you doing? Yeah, rough week. It's been a week of highs and lows. I think you've touched on it already. We've got the highs of All In, which was preceded by... So a couple of really big lows uh, with Terry Funk and Bray both passing this week. And uh, I, I think the only thing I just was wanted to add in is I don't think we're really going to cover much TV this week. No, I think that this will be... <laughs> we've got a bunch written down. Obviously, we wrote most of it at the start of the week and then everything yeah. went the way it went. And it's going to be a little bit difficult to cover Chad fucking Gable this week when we've got everything else going on. And I don't think anybody's going to be concerned with us not talking about some of the stuff that happened on Monday Night Raw. No, and look, just a real quick touch on all of it. Man, it's been a really good week for wrestling outside of all the horrible stuff. I do have to say that WWE did an incredible job with the tribute on SmackDown. And yeah, in general, it has been a really strong week for wrestling. I wish, I really do wish that we could commit the time to talk about all of that as well. It's just, fuck. It's just... just yeah, we've yeah. just got everything else that we've got to get through this week. There's and, um, just so much. And honestly, as someone who has been in the business for a while and has seen a lot of death, and even as a fan, I'm sure yeah. you can also react in a similar way, Is it's fucking, it's really hard. And I went through... Like we had planned on doing a tribute-specific show. We had planned on, tri- on doing one for both of them, honestly. And yeah. um, I just really struggled with it. You're not the only one, dude. Uh, I think you only have to follow my Twitter to see how I was taking the news this week. Um, I went through, especially with Bray, I t- went through the motions of like it was a friend. Yes, yeah. Because like Bray's like our age, my age. No, but <laughs> Bray's like our age. He's a young dude and it, it was really hard. But for me, uh, just to kick things off a little bit, for me, Terry Funk, what can we say about someone who's been in the wrestling business for 52 years. Like this guy, most of his life, if not all of his life was spent working the fans and entertaining everybody and being a prick to the boys just because he was trying to teach them a lesson and yeah every story that's come out this week has been about him slapping people because they would question him and like just in general everything and those wonderful impressions that everybody's doing about terry funk they're all just (laughs) incredible and the dude 
Man, I really honestly and truthfully wish I could have spent some time with him just to pick his brain. And I'm sure he would have worked me too, everybody else. And The thing is, out of the stories I've heard this week, we've all heard the stories of him being a hard man, old school wrestler, because that's the era he came up in, right? But I haven't heard anything maliciously nasty. Like, every all the stories are, he did this thing to me because he was teaching me a lesson, but this is the other side of him, and that would go on for ages. Yes, yeah, like a lot of the stuff that we've heard has come across as, yeah, it might be a dickhead thing to do, but everything came from a good place. Yeah. And just his contribution to wrestling, whether it was at Terry Funk, whether it was part of Funk U, whether it was with Dory Funk Jr., whether it was Chainsaw Charlie, like... That was, okay, guy... so that was something I was going to ask you was, out of all the iterations of Terry, which version is your Terry? It's funny because my version of Terry is forever Terry. My version of Terry is beyond the mat Terry. The guy who has almost like the wrestler, almost like the Mickey Rourke, the never say die Terry Funk. The dude's already 50 years old at this point and he's just jumping off a shit that he shouldn't be jumping off of. He's taking crazy bumps. He's bleeding everywhere. It's just such an iconic thing to see this guy who legitimately retired and i've checked it's upwards of 10 times oh, I'm and, but he couldn't stay away because he loved the business yeah. and it came through in everything he did and massive love to all of my wrestling brothers and sisters who lost hero this week because that's what he was to yeah. so many people he was their hero people that stand out in my mind are like mick foley bully ray tommy dreamer obviously the mm. poor guy he sounded so distraught on busted open and i just I look at all of the influence and all the people he's touched over the 52 years that he was part of the business and all the better because of Terry Funk. Absolutely. See, as a fan, I was a WCW guy, but funnily enough, as a fan, my Terry Funk was Chainsaw Charlie. Yeah, okay. Yeah, which is really weird. I seem to have missed the WCW era of Terry, but I thought Chainsaw Charlie was hilarious and for some reason he's stuck in my mind. Look, the thing is, that's one thing that they always say about him too, is that the guy was super adaptable. Yeah. He just loved wrestling. He would do anything for anybody and he would work everybody in the building as well. If he was injured on a show, even if it was legitimate, he'd come backstage and he would be screaming in agony and... Man, the stories that have come out have just been wonderful because it just shows you how much he loved the business. And, yeah, like nothing but love and respect for Terry Funk and to the family and the friends, the brotherhood that Terry cultivated over the 50-plus years of wrestling. And a ridiculous uh, was, legacy as well. Yeah, like just an incredible legacy. We, we just salute you because, like, you were privileged, you know, privileged to live in a time with Terry Funk. And that honestly does translate to Bray Wyatt as well. That's exactly what I said on Twitter the other day is when it comes to Bray, I feel like we were all privileged to get to experience Bray. He Uh, is, without a doubt, the most creative mind of at least the last decade in wrestling. Absolutely. Um, His vignettes, the way that he carried himself, the way that he was able to evolve from a shithouse gimmick yeah. when he came through as Husky Harris and even before and even after as well to end up as the cult leader and with the mm. fireflies, man. Like that Bray Wyatt, everything he touched, everything he touched turned to gold. And the saddest part for me about Bray is that we didn't get to see his best. That, we, that we was didn't, coming. 
we didn't get to see this current vision come to what it was supposed to become. And I genuinely felt like this was going to be his masterpiece because it was bringing all those elements of everything he had done together, including bringing Wyndham into it as well. Like we were starting to get to know Wyndham as well as the characters and I feel like it was going to be his masterpiece of what we were coming into, but it's absolutely tragic. I genuinely, watching Smackdown was in tears and I'm not a crier. No, and I'm not absolutely the same thing for me as well. Um, I posted on my Facebook page, yes, I know. It's because I needed the words though because yeah. obviously X doesn't let you have them and I really wanted to give some precise thoughts into how it affected me because yeah. Bray, he was a lot of the reason that me as a character, as the warship was what I was and uh, a lot of the inspiration that I had into it came from him. Yeah. I idolised the way that he would capture the audience and the way that he would cut promos because they were just spoken word soliloquies. Like everything he said had a purpose and there was never a wasted breath in the way that he delivered anything he did. Exactly. For me as a, as a performer, I resonated with him because it was like seeing someone who was like me. Like I wasn't in the best shape when I was doing the solution stuff, but it didn't really matter because it was about the story. It's about and the, the performance. And Bray was the same. Like you can never tell me that Bray got to have a six pack. Like there were mm. points where he got super close when it came to the latter part of his career there. He was looking awesome. He just was looking he awesome. Passed. And but at the same time it didn't matter because it was the creative mind and Everything from the sister Abigail to even the way that he would hit that lariat, like that running like cross body block mm. that he would do. And it was so vicious. Every little thing he did. And then the evolution into the fiend, which, man, that's some horror story shit. Watching him transform into that character was awesome. And it left you mad because when you saw him in the the Mr. Rogers, hi, everybody, welcome to the Firefly Funhouse. Like the whole thing about him like being this everyday man but then he's you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to get anyone mad you wouldn't want to get him mad and like just that transition where you started mm. to see like his brain snap because that's what it was it was like purely and simply like psychosis it was like a split personality disorder Absolutely. and it was done in such a good way and then uh, even the difference in his wrestling because as the cult leader Bray Wyatt versus the fiend Bray Wyatt, it was a completely different, vicious Bray Wyatt. Mm. Like he would do the neck snap and the mandible claw and everything that he did just brought so much presence to the role. And I just love it. I can't say enough about him. Absolutely, absolutely. See, I can remember when he first came back with the Fire, Firefly Funhouse gimmick and I genuinely had this moment of, what the fuck is this? Where are we going? What's happened to Bray? But Bray was always that guy that you hear it all the time as a fan of pro wrestling. It's just let the process happen, wait it out, let him cook. It all. He's the one guy you could trust with it because he'd clearly come up with this entire idea and he, you couldn't just take that first promo of a new character and go, I know what this is because we had to wait. And... Surely enough, like, I ended up falling in love with both versions of that era of Bray, right? I thought that 
Steve's Mr. Rogers version was amazing. Like he managed to tell stories as that and then turn into exactly what you were saying. I'm, I'm repeating you at this stage. <laughs> it's just the, the, the whole thing about it, and obviously there's a big part of it which is just absolute sorrow for Jojo yeah. and the children as well because it's, man, the dude was 36 years old yeah. and he had his whole life in front and it would have been incredible, everything he did, and he was trying so hard to be what everyone needed him to be. Mm. I purely think that he never stopped fighting, but I also believe that, man, of all the things that he could have passed away from, with how hard he took Brody's death yeah. and how important Brody was to him, it almost feels like he died of a broken heart because he spent so much time getting over that hurt. Yeah. And he put so much of that into the character that he brought back into the Uncle Howdy and, and that all of that. last character, like, go back and watch those promos, man. It's hard watch now. Oh, yeah. Just hearing him thank everybody yeah. just hearing him be genuine and speaking from the heart because he was breaking inside you could see it he never got over it and that's how it feels it may be wrestling 101 but it didn't ever feel like that it felt like a man bearing his soul yeah. and i have no doubt in my mind that he did everything he could to be here for his family and everything he could to be here for the fans and all of that but man there's there's just i just can't get past that thought yeah, it's tragic to think that we've lost two amazing wrestlers out of the same stable in under two years. Mm -hmm. Oh, and man, it broke my fucking soul to see Eric there as well. Yeah. Obviously Braun too, but to see Eric Rowan and, man, again, full respect. And I just, I'm so thankful that WWE put Eric Rowan front yeah. and centre. He's like part of the company. He's not there. He's been on AEW. But well, just the respect they had to put him front and centre through that was just... That's yeah, the thing. Was, like, you have to feel for him. It's the second time Eric has had to do this. Yes, yeah. And, like, the guy... You can say what you want about Eric being probably the weaker of the three when it came to the original stable. and But, man, as it's, a team, the yeah. three of those were just incredible. And we'll look back on the Wyatt family, I believe. I truly believe we'll look back on the Wyatt family for years to come. And people should be teaching this in their wrestling schools. If you're not, man, you need to. Because you need to study all of this. You need to study Bray Wyatt's promos. You need to study the Wyatt family, the way that it came together because everything about it was absolute gold and so much of that was thanks to Bray Wyatt. Yeah, and uh, another one that we haven't really mentioned yet that I, I feel for her because she couldn't make it because she's pregnant and last-minute flights and all that sort of thing was Alexa Bliss. He did a lot for Alexa Bliss as well. Yes, yeah, no, and even though, again, that fell really flat in the end, the whole thing with the, is she going to be Sister Abigail, yeah. is she not going oh, to be, no, she's Harley Quinn, that whole thing, it, but it did I think in the that end fell flat. flat. I don't think that fell flat due to Bray's creative or Alexa's, though. I think that was a company decision that made that happen the way it did. Yeah, I think it was a failing of the company at yeah. the time as well because they lost faith in what was happening at the time. But at the same time, again, yeah, Alexa Bliss's career 
absolutely took off because of it. Obviously, Alexa Bliss was already doing really well, but when it happened, everyone wanted to see it, and yeah. it was really good. And when Bray came back, everyone wanted to see what she was teasing. Yes, because obviously Uncle Howdy had been showing up at her matches and all of that kind of stuff as well. So, yeah, that's the big question there as well. And we'll get into that, I think, in a moment, just a fantasy, what do we do from here thing. But one other person I want to mention is Seth as well, because Seth... Uh, couldn't be there either, and it was because, again, of flights. But he actually uh, did a, a video on Twitter or X was and beautiful. was talking about it as well. He just said, hey, I would love to have been there, but the last thing that I spoke to Bray about when we were talking about Brody's death was just go home and hold that baby girl of yours, man. And so that's what I did today because like that if he had have come to smackdown he would have lost a day with his family so i think that's a really beautiful thing absolutely absolutely, absolutely. and no i don't think there's much more we can add to this conversation apart from full love and respect to bray's family friends everyone in the industry that worked with him and of course all of us fans out there that are feeling the loss as well it can feel a bit weird when you're mourning somebody you didn't know but at the same time, they're a day, they're a part of your weekly entertainment. They're in your home, you invite them in, and they become a big part of your routine every week. So I don't think it's a weird thing at all. So for those people that might be feeling a bit weird about it, don't. It's normal. Hey, look, honestly, the thing to take away from it as well is that he did it, man. Everything that he cut in the in the Fiend promos is that he did do it, man. What he would always say, it was, mm. let me in. And look... We did. We let him in. We all did. We let him in. And he is going to leave a massive hole from here. I think, again, to go back and say it one more time, is we will look back on Bray Wyatt's genius for years to come. Just because, yeah, he never got to show what he could really do. And I do believe that this was his year. If he hadn't have gotten sick, this would have been the year that we would have seen it. And hindsight is 50-50. I don't even know the fucking thing. But yeah. hi hindsight is a thing. But I look back at the people's reactions to Bray not being able to be there and shitting on it, treating him like there was something wrong with him, being like, oh, just release him already. And he just, fuck you. Like, yeah. I, I get it that we didn't know, but we don't have to fucking know either. And I think that's a bit of a failing in the internet and wrestling on the internet. It's a major character fault of wrestling fans. We don't know people's struggles. That's the thing. Robin Williams said it, be kind always because you don't know what's going on. And it turns out he really was fucking sick and he would have been there. He would have done all this, but he couldn't. Hmm. So I guess the lesson to take away from that is the next time you think, oh, fuck this guy because he didn't come do this or this angle was shit and it's his fault, just take a step back. Just take a step mm. back and realise that these are real fucking human beings and we do this shit for your entertainment. We do this shit because we love it, but we're real people too. And sometimes we just hurt. Sometimes mm. we're broken and... Yeah, just a little bit. I think that respect goes really heavily one way, but I think maybe we need to start looking at pushing it the other way too. Oh, touching really quickly before we get into All In, because, yes, now the levity comes in. Now we're a little bit brighter with it all. <laughs> I have one more thing about the sad shit from before. That is, do we see 
Bo Dallas reform the Wyatt oh, family? I, I don't think this is a negative because I think this is an interesting conversation to get into. Personally, I think there is probably enough creative laid out that um, Bo could work with. I personally don't have an issue with it. It could be Bo's transformation that he's needed for a long time. I would love to see Uncle Howdy hit the ring mm. next week. Fuck it. Let's just say next week. I would love to see Uncle Howdy hit the ring and tear the mask off and it's Bo. And then he says, we all know that my brother was a fucking genius. We all know that my brother had plans and machinations well into the future and he's not here anymore. But I'm here and I can do it too. And then go from there. I would love to see Bo get his flowers finally. Because honestly, if you go back and watch his NXT run as champion, the dude's a fucking star. He was like sidelined with the B team shit. He made it work. Hmm. But man, the dude is a fucking star. And I would love to see it. Just personally. I'm I, all in for it. I'm there for it too, dude. It's, he's a dude who's a tale as old as time in wrestling. An amazing talent that has been given shitty gimmicks and just hasn't been able to make them work, right? I'm for it. Do it. Like I said, the creative would be laid out. He would have known Bray's plan, I imagine. I imagine they at least talked about it. And outside of that, it's not like it's fucking rocket science. You, you have Bo cut promos, get that southern drawl on, yeah. and really embrace it. Say, look, my brother's gone, but I'm also, I'm also a Wyatt. And that's the thing, is that WWE, I'm a rotunda man. WWE, they brought me in, they changed my name, they made me Bo Dallas, but I don't want to be Bo Dallas anymore. And I don't want to be Taylor Rotunda either. I'm going to be Bo Wyatt, and I'm going to take my brother's legacy, and I'm going to make something of it. And then you could easily just slot Braun back in. Fuck it, man. Give him, give Eric Rowan a payday too. Bring him in as well. Absolutely. And have the Wyatt family reform. It doesn't have to go forever. It could. You could see all of the glory that was supposed to happen to Bray come through for Bo for sure. But I would love to see it. I'd love to see him even go back to grassroots, start from the fucking beginning again and just see what they can make of it because it wouldn't feel like they were trespassing on it. It no, wouldn't it feel like they were pissing on the grave of it at all. It just feels like it would be right to yeah. me. Absolutely. But, yeah, that's my fantasy booking. It may not be my total fantasy booking for the night, (laughs) but that is my fantasy booking for this moment here. Before we go any further, this show is brought to you by OG Nerd. OG Nerd represents the gamers, the cosplayers, the collectors, the model makers, the tattooists, the artists, and the athletes. They are not just a clothing brand. They are a subculture. OG Nerd revel in their halcyon youth and embrace the lifestyle driven by nostalgia, humble beginnings and heroes. OG Nerd strives to offer quality, comfortable and above all stylish streetwear apparel inspired by a lifetime of gaming, music and street art. I've worked with OG Nerd for many years and find their apparel second to none in terms of quality and appearance. Whether it's at a wrestling show or a convention, you'll be hard-pressed to find a better armour for your rig. Get yours at ognerdlife.com. But look, this is actually a perfect segue into the greatest wrestling event or the biggest wrestling event of all time. Um, All in, of course, happened this morning here in Australia. And one of the things that I will say off the bat, they had to 
throughout the entire show, they referenced both Terry and Bray. I thought it was cool that they called him Bray Wyatt as well throughout the entire thing. If anyone at WWE has a problem with fucking them using your copyright, fuck you, because I thought this was fucking classy. Straight up. It started off the first mention, was on the very early zero hour, which started two hours before the show. Yes, like it was I was a, very asleep. <laughs> yeah, it was zero hours, but they read actually read Bray's tweet on zero hour of the his response to Cody that we all know. Yes, honestly, so classy. And I know we rag on Tony a lot. It's not intentional. I know we rag on Tony <laughs> a lot here, but full class to them for allowing so many Bray Wyatt references on the show and Terry Funk as well. Yeah, and. But I think the biggest dream booking that happened on the entire show was the one that happened in the zero hour. If anyone's anyone who is from the internet wrestling community who follows Cultaholic will have known Tom Campbell's push over the last two weeks. Like of possibly even over the last three weeks. I think it was before that even started announcing matches, Tom was pushing to get Grado on the show. He started dream booking it. He started getting uh, Cultaholic fans to start tweeting Tony Khan. And by God, he did it. Grado. Yeah. Oh, I was so happy to see, honestly, because we- the dude, like, oh, my God. I-, I'm, I was surprised that Tony didn't say fuck it and pay for the rights to Madonna. because I feel like Tony I know he's a businessman and he makes some smart business decisions but I also know he's a he loves a good pop as well he's a wrestling fan I think that would have been a really expensive thing to do oh but I don't think he's beyond a frivolous expensive spend just for fun yeah no either do I the dude's got more money than DNA, so like he literally could buy the world. I'm fairly certain at this point. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, I honestly think that for the things they did do, we'll get to later. But I'm just gonna quickly say, seek and fucking destroy. Metallica playing. Holy shit! Yeah, so happy, so legitimately I, happy. We'll I get back to that later. But. I didn't realize that was a Sting intro. There you go. Oh yeah, fuck me. Yeah, big ups on that. Really happy to see that. Uh, we'll go back to it later. Um, <laughs> the other big thing that happened in the zero hour, of course, we got the tag team. We yeah, Cole and MJF. They were taking on our boys, Aussie Open. Amazing match. It was a really good match. I can't believe we got that match for free. Yeah. Do you honestly think there was ever a chance that Aussie Open were going to win? No. 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 I, and you know what? Either did I. But who gives a shit? Because it was all about the story, and they told it really well. So. Really well. And that kangaroo kick. Over. <laughs> like, these two guys have managed to get two of the most ridiculous moves. Now, say it properly, the shittest moves. <laughs> like, two of the shittest-looking fucking things that yeah. you could do. Kangaroo kick, which is like a double drop kick to almost the groin, yeah. and the fucking double closing. Yeah, they are not great moves, but they are over as fuck. Yeah, and so you got to give them credit. But this match was a key part in the story that they were telling later on. And it was so important that they did this match because they had references to each, each other, the, the bro chachos and showing how tight they've become. And they were on fire together. They were clicking. As a tag team, they looked like a tag team that has been fighting together for a long time. 
Yeah, and not to bury the lead, but with the with the way that they wrestled at the start of the night, I would have fucking been ropeable if the ending had have gone any other way than how it went. Oh, exactly. Like the, just the way that they were together, the way that they had the unity, it is all beautiful. And if it had have been anything different than what we saw in the end, because that is legitimately probably the most perfect moment that we have seen this year. Yeah, and look, we saw a few tag teams on this card. One match, one of one match had two of the greatest tag teams of our generation, and I would well, arguably actually, the best two teams in the world, right? And now. I would argue that MJF and Cole were the better tag team on the card all night. And that's the thing is that you look at these two guys and the work that they're putting in. That's the thing. It's the work that they're putting in behind the scenes like I was watching uh, Hot Ones the other day and they're there and they're just was eating hot good, wings together but that was so so good because like they were there as boys and they were coming across as boys and it was still all in character and all yeah. of that too but it was just beautiful so yeah these guys it's got legs man like I keep saying it I don't yeah. want it to fucking end because it has legitimate legs I would again let's go quickly into my fucking fantasy booking Do forward it. here I would love to see the next thing happen be Punk say that's it now it's time and then if Punk could take the belt from MJF write MJF off until close to the contract signing give him the rest of the year almost off completely and then have Adam Cole say look man I know you're hurt but I want to do this. Let me have a go. And then you could easily do Punk and Cole. And if Cole beats him, then the dynamic completely fucking switches because then MJF comes back, but Cole's the champion. But yeah, there's so much in this right now. I'm, I'm that's, so into it. That's interesting because, yeah, I hadn't thought about that at all because I'm still invested in my dream booking of having MJF lose the title and then have desperate MJF trying to claw for it back because that's his bargaining chip. But... Yeah, but that's what happens too in this scenario yeah. as well because all of a sudden MJF is cleared to wrestle again. Maybe Cole's getting beat down by some heels in the ring. MJF returns and they hug out, but then there's a moment of, I need, oh, I'll give you the belt now. I need and my bargaining yeah, chip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love and you, And that's bro, where it really kicks back. in. <laughs> yep. And that's the and then that's the destruction. That's where it falls apart because Brilliant. then the, you have MJF who can't do it from the other side. He's more than happy while he's the champion to be the guy who's oh, but we're bros. But then what happens when he's not the champion? I tell you, I tell you what, fuck it. Let's go into the main event because I I think we've already talked about it enough. Main event was Cole versus MJF, and in recent memory, I can't remember so much of storytelling happening in one match in an AEW ring. We've seen good storytelling, but there was so much story ha storytelling happening in between those ropes. They had Cole struggling with his desires to screw over MJF. We saw MJF struggling with the same thing. It was amazing throughout the entire match. We saw possibly one of the hardest table spots I've seen in a long time happen. The whole thing was amazing, and the amount of times where it was MJF was the one who was like, I can't do this to my bro. Oh, and the shittest brain buster to take ever on the steps. That would have sucked every dick. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not okay with that too. The whole thing was great. Honestly, it was just a really well-told match. And like the crying and the hugging and everything afterwards, one of us had to win, bro, that whole thing. And then him turning and being like, you didn't care about me. This was all about the fucking bout. 
Yeah, he's, he fucking have it. He like threw it at him and everything as well. That but was really, That really was good. genius. I didn't see that happening. I was expecting him to go to old school MJF and just be like, fuck you, you only wanted my belt. I'm taking my belt and getting out of here. And it wasn't that. We didn't get that. Oh, like and the referee, said. man. Biggest heel of the night with that fucking double pin too. Holy shit. Because they hit the double clothesline. They both called it. It was such a tag team wrestling thing to do. Yep. And then they both got down to the situation for the double pin. One, two, three. Ooh. Everybody was pissed because they were like, this is the finish, isn't it? Like, we're like, we can't pick a winner, so let's just have a double fucking, like, a draw. That crowd and yeah, was hot. Mate, like, that would that have moment. been violent if it had to finish that way. So, yeah, beautiful storytelling. The whole thing was just a genius effort. So I, I'm, I'm super excited to see where it goes from here. And, again, all the fucking, all the love in the world for the way they did it too because it was just, yeah, brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. And, look, I know, we make no qualms about it. I'm not, when we, come, when we talk to about our dynamic here, I would say that I'm probably 30, 70 for the AEW side of things. You're definitely more keyed into AEW as a whole. But I do have to say that was, all of it was just absolutely brilliant from start to finish. And look, the show itself was really strong. So we should definitely talk about more of the show itself. But that main event, like him and Roddy's there as well. Like he, like MJF's turned his back and he's just fucking do it. Just fucking do it. I don't care. You never cared about me. Just fucking do it. And he's standing there with his arms out. And then Cole picks up the belt. He's like, I'm going to fucking do it, man. I'm going to do it. And Roddy's yelling. He's like, I'm your best fucking friend. I'm your best friend. Not him. Hit him with the belt. And he just drops it. And then Roddy just leaves because he's fuck. And then the slow turnaround and they're both looking at each other. Could have played some love music at that point, man, because oh. they just slowly turn around, run into each other's arms, confetti goes off, everybody in the building loses their mind. It was just the best way you could possibly have ended the show. Oh, absolutely. And when was the last time you finished a pay-per-view of either of the either of the companies and you felt genuinely, fuck yes, that was a happy Genuinely happy at the end of a show. The last time I saw a match or I saw a finish to a match that made me feel that way legitimately was <laughs> and Eddie Guerrero ah, in the yes. middle of the ring standing there with all the confetti holding both the belts. That was legitimately to me the last time I remember feeling that way. Yeah, and that was 20 years ago? Yeah, <laughs> it's like legitimately the last time. And I know we're not allowed to talk about but at the same time, like that whole thing, man, yeah. it was so reminiscent of that moment and you could just feel the emotion. So, yeah, absolutely all in for that. Genuinely, <laughs> hey, genuinely looking forward to Dynamite just for those two alone. And I guess that we could probably go back through everything now. I don't know how you feel about this one at all, but... I don't know. I really don't know if the payoff is there the so way that... We're talking about Jack Perry versus Hook. Dude, I didn't give a shit. I didn't give a shit in the build-up to this. The match happened. I didn't give a shit. And as is tradition with an AEW pay-per-view that starts with the letters AL, the most interesting part of this happened backstage. And I don't think we're <laughs> going to get into it. Look, because at the end of the day, we don't really know much other it's than speculative stuff. It's yeah, way too like, early to get into that. But I guess we talk about it really briefly and just say that right before, because Punk opened the main show, and right before Punk goes out to, like literally out the curtain in Gorilla, 
something happened. Now, there are two different reports. One report says that Jack Perry went up to Punk and was like, fuck you, and gave him a little bit of a shoulder gimmick. And then Punk was like, I'm going to choke you out and did a bit of that. The other side of it is that Punk threw a punch first and that's what led to it. Either way, after Jack Perry's match, he was told to leave the building. And that's all we know. So we can't speculate any further. One thing I will touch on this, there was a tweet I saw which was a very interesting take on the whole CM Punk side of things. And this is over the last year. Is on Dynamite last year, CM Punk said, if you've got a problem with me, say it to my face. It's happened twice where people have come up to him and said it to his face and he has finished the fight. Yep. Yep. <laughs> is CM Punk the problem or is CM Punk the problem solver? <laughs> that's the thing because everyone's straight away oh fucking look at this troublemaker he's always causing nothing but issues it's definitely his fault but really at the end of the day man the dude is like he's asking for it too he's saying hey I don't want to live in a shitty work environment you got a fucking problem with me let's just get it done let's just sort it out whatever it is and we'll go from there so I can't speculate either way Mm. it could be either thing so at the end of the day we can't really speak on it other than that but as far as the match goes, and I know we're talking a little bit out of order, man, where was everything? Where was everything they've been building towards? Where was the Sandman? Where was any of the ECW reference there? It, it just became nothing. It, and I know there's the whole hook standing on his own two feet thing, but if that's the case, then don't ever bring any of the other shit in. Like, Don't bring RVD in. Don't bother with Taz. Don't do any of that. If that's how you're going to do it, just make it a match and deal with all of that shit before it. But it really felt like we were waiting for some kind of ECW revival of guys to come in and cost him the match, but it just ended up being a match. And for me, it was flat as shit. Yeah, agreed, 100%. It was one of those matches where I was like, that's done. And look, in our notes, we've got guess that story's over. Yeah, yeah, that's literally how I feel. I guess it's over. And I have no problem with it because I didn't give a shit about it in the first place. I started to when we got RVD in. I started to care about it when Taz was like, oh, that ain't right. I don't like that. That ain't right. It's stupid. I was all for it when it was like that. But then, yeah, I don't know. It just really fizzled for me. Yeah, look, I have no problem if Jack Perry goes away for a while at this point. I think he should because I think his... Gimmick sucks at the moment. I don't even think it's one of those situations where it needs more time to cook. I think it needs to go away and be engineered a bit more. Maybe Jack needs to go and work the indies for a while. Uh, uh, That's a really harsh call from a fan. (laughs) But I think he could do with some more seasoning. As much as we talk about my perspective as a wrestler, I think your perspective is really important too. And the fact that you would say that as actually what one would call an AEW mark, like for you to say that about one of their guys, like that's telling. And it's unfortunate because I do think that he's got all the tools he needs, but it's just not firing here. And it was probably the low point in the show. Oh, absolutely. And saying that I haven't been a fan of Jack Perry ever. I didn't like the Jungle Boy gimmick. I felt it just didn't work for him. There was a time when he was with Luchasaurus where it worked for a while. But once they broke up that group, it just didn't work anymore. And yeah, 
They didn't have very many legs anyway. As far as a gimmick goes, you've got this prehistoric Cretaceous period tag team kind of deal. But even that in itself was only a temporary thing because you can't run that forever, not if you're trying to do something. I'll say this. It's the same reason why... um um, the Viking Raiders aren't over with Yeah, them. I was about to say that too. You look at historically, any characters that are over-the-top characters, over-the-top crazy, it, it has a little bit of leg, it has a little bit of fight, but Goldust is a great example of that. The dude had a great career, but, man, the dude wears, like, girls' underpants. You're not going to see him going for any major belts. And that was something that, as Goldust, you were definitely never going to see. And that showed the real difference when you saw him as Dustin. Yeah. later on exactly all right so we get now onto the main card and great show from here on in in my opinion cm punk opens up the show very surprised to see cm punk at this end of the pay-per-view but yeah cm punk opens up the card with joe i personally loved this match i thought it was punk's best work since he's come back this time around it was a hard fight joe was ragdolling him for a time there but it started off really well where it looked like CM Punk had Joe's number like he was going for the hooks and he was just dodging him everything yeah and look I think it's a great way to tell the whole not David and Goliath because it's not like he's four foot tall but really just monster versus man it's a really good way of telling that story because Joe should be unstoppable and if he's gonna hit you it's going to hurt. So the best way to get around that is to not get hit. So, yeah, I definitely vibe with that for sure. And I thought the match itself was really good. I have been waiting for them to go hard since they started this feud. This was the match that uh, I wanted a month ago when they first came back together as a feud. I almost I hope it's not over. I almost wish that they didn't do that first fight. Yeah, Um, no, I, I, I see a lot of legs in it too from here. Oh, absolutely. And let these guys have a rivalry for the rest of their careers. Yeah, it's that whole, I think I'll be doing this with you forever vibe. And I really get that with them. Very mixed reaction. Watching the tape back and seeing Punk come out. It was a lot of booze at the very start. And then once the music started, after the intro started, when the actual song started, the whole building is yelling the song. So it was a very mixed reaction. I've seen a lot of things on the internet saying, oh, we were popping for the music, not for punk. But at the end of the day, man, he's undeniable, the dude. It doesn't matter what happens. Like, you see him, he comes out, people hate him. By the end of the match, you're already ready to fucking suck him off because he's just so good at what he does. This is... Where CM Punk does his best work, though, is when he is not the epic face. Like, when he is sitting in that space between heel or baby face, like the tweener, he's either an amazing heel or an amazing tweener, and I think it's we're going to see some, um, depending on what happens with this investigation <laughs> over the next week or so, we're going to see some great stuff um, from him in the coming year, I think. And look, I really do hope that we do see more. I really do hope because I am itching for a heel turn. Yeah. Like, I am really itching for it because I think that it's going to be, yeah, tops. When it does go down, and again, it leads perfectly into my MJF thing because right now I don't think you can physically turn MJF heel unless it's on Adam Cole. So. Yeah, um, and look, if you'd asked me three months ago if you thought if I thought you could turn MJF face I would have said don't be stupid 
Yep. <laughs> yep. He's the devil, man. He really is. And even now, he's still a fucking piece of shit. But he's a I don't think it's possible. Yep. I think you have to. I think he can't be. I think he cannot be a heel right now unless he turned. And that would be the worst thing ever. And I don't want to see that. So don't do that, please. <laughs> All right. Next on our list, we've got the amazing tribute to Bray Wyatt that happened with the House of Black intro. I've actually replayed that about three times today just to watch it back and go, class. You can also tell they engineered all the graphics on the screen, blacking out uh, Wembley completely. They engineered it to get the fireflies out and it worked to a T. I was amazed that all night we didn't get the crowd, especially being a British crowd who love a sing-along, we didn't get a rendition of we got the, he's got the whole world in his hands. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't think it was misplaced that we didn't get it, but at the same time, I totally understand it too. I really like the way that they pretty much stole the Tron for the Fireflies because they had the burning embers in the background for House of Black as well, and it just really set it off. The second that the screens changed, all of the phones came out. Exactly. And they didn't have to do anything. The music was eerily similar at the very start to the Forbidden Door Bray White entrance at the start yeah. of Shatter. Like it was very eerily similar to that. And then like the I expected the when knew they, what they showed had to do. Yeah, exactly. But I expected when they showed Malachi Black that we would see the lantern at his feet. So it was really interesting to see Buddy actually bring it out and put it next to him. And he didn't touch it, but he looked at it and he spent a good second and a half to two seconds looking at it, giving a nod of respect and then moving on. And that was honestly all it needed Classy. to be. Yeah. It was just them saying, this is fucked up. We miss you. I hope we do you proud. That, that's how it felt. Exactly. Me. Going into that match though. So they were up against the acclaimed. I didn't think the acclaimed were going to do it. I don't want to fucking talk about it. I'm pissed off. I don't. I'm fucking mad because they used it as a fucking story. At the end of the day, Billy is now the trio's champ and it's annoying. I did speak to my mentor, the person who trained me, and he's, look, the thing is that it isn't really – it wasn't really a thing until fairly recently. It's always been there, but at the same time, it's not like – this massive thing but to me it felt like it yeah. and i'm still pissed off about it like now fucking yeah good on him i'm happy to see him doing a thing but uh, man there could there was an easier way to do that that didn't like disrespect it to me like they could have had him teasing it he could have taken this fucking the laces out and then the boys stopped him and he pissed off and he left the ring they could it, it didn't yeah. need to be that feels like just a bit too far in my eyes but i'm apparently fucking wrong i thought it was a great match though Yes, no, honestly, yeah, match was great. Had a couple of really good spots in there. There was a few moments uh, the, the, there where I genuinely thought both Bowens and Caster were injured. Genuinely thought, fuck, there was one stage where Caster was at ringside holding onto his leg and wasn't overtly in shot, so I thought, fuck, I think he's actually injured himself. But it was just brilliantly doing their job. Oh, fuck it. While you're at it, Tony, just get the referees to throw up the fucking X symbol, bro. You're already fucking <laughs> doing this. You might as well do that shit too. But, yeah, at the end of the day, good on it. It's fine. Like, I'm not happy about it, but if he's still got time to go, then good. But, yeah, I just think that the actual, like, retirement thing could have been fudged a little bit more because it does it does hit on the heartstrings of it being, like, a real thing and maybe it was maybe until this week it was and then mm. this week happened and 
all of a sudden he's got a bit more fight left because of everything that's happened. And, hey, look, it may be a situation where it is this is his final run. They've given him titles to have a final title run. He's brought. It's a classic thing that a lot of wrestlers of his era are doing at the moment as well, bringing back old gimmicks to say farewell to the old gimmicks. I feel like Sting's doing that at the moment. We've seen it with uh, Edge as well, where he's brought back Vampire Edge and things like that. They're revisiting old characters to say goodbye to them, and I f- possibly that's why he's brought back Badass Billy Gunn. Also, do you notice the spelling of bad? <laughs> it was hilarious, though. It was B-A-D-D. B-A-D-D. Yeah. Like, Look, as soon as you said it, I, I knew. I didn't notice it at the time because yeah. I think I was still pissy. Well, honestly, if I think about it, like at the end of the day, I don't want to be the fuckhead that I was talking about earlier either. I don't want to be the piece of shit on the internet who thinks they know better than everyone else and all of that too. The I do find it interesting that you went to your mentor to discuss it though because it's the sort of thing that someone like me from the other side of, you know, as a fan – we don't think about whether you'd go and talk to a mentor about whether or not something someone else is doing is right or wrong. Yeah, we talk fairly regularly about wrestling in general and I just brought it up because I respect his opinion still yeah. very, like, a great deal. And, yeah, I don't know, I just said, look, this is something that's pissing me off a little bit and he's I understand why, but maybe it doesn't need to be so bad. And that's the thing too is that I hold wrestling really close to me. But especially right now too because I'm really starting to ramp up how I feel about what's next for me and I'm looking back at a lot of stuff that I used to do and a lot of stuff that I would like to do as well. So I'm, I don't know, I've got a lot of respect for what we do in there and I know that it's not easy because I've done it and mm. I know that there are a lot of trials and tribulations that go with it as well and it's not always a fucking black and white story. Yeah, as much as it frustrates me to see it happen the way it did, there must be something else to it. We can just let it ride for now. All right. And that, how about we ride into the tag team match, FTR. Ooh, smooth. Oh, that was good, wasn't it? FTR versus the Young Bucks. This was the rubber match. Minimal build-up to this match, and I'm going to say it as a viewer, as a fan, it was a rough match. I don't think FTR were on their game. I don't think the Young Bucks were on their game. There was a lot of botches throughout the entire match. After seeing FTR have some of the best tag team matches I have seen in the last year and a half especially their trilogy with them boys. It was a rough match to watch. I don't know if it was jet lag or what, but it was a rough match. i got a question. Yep. As a fan, yep. do the Bucks still have it? I'm going to be completely honest with you here. I've never been a huge Bucks fan. I think the Bucks have got the stereotype of a lot of tag teams of having a move set that they just spam. They spam their BTE trigger. They spam the super kicks. It's got to a point where those moves don't feel like they're going to mean anything anymore. Whereas FTR with the Shadow Machine always feels like that move's going to be the move that finishes the match. They feel... Feel special every time they Every do time, it. which was shocking because the Bucks kicked out of the Shadow Machine hate it. hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I fucking hate it. Look, yes, I get it, right, because it should happen sometime, but fuck, man. There's a better way the of, shadow machine. of doing that, though. Like, I think they could have done the Shadow Machine and the Bucks could have, I don't know, 
there could have been some fuckery, which is why it didn't do the job. But, yeah. Yeah, no, look, at the end of the day, I'm a big guy for protecting finishes as well. I very rare occasions anyone ever kicked out of mine. And I strongly believe that a move like the Shadow Machine should be like almost the most protected thing on the entire card. Yeah. Um, Baron Corbin, for example, end of days, that shit never gets kicked out of. It's been kicked out of once. Once, yeah. One time in the 4,000 years he's been wrestling. At least that's how it feels. Yeah, 100%. And it was a match. I, I think it was a good match. It wasn't a drop in... I didn't pick up my phone during the match, put it that way. I can. This is usually when I'm watching wrestling, I can tell if it's a shit match because I'll pick up the phone and see what Twitter's saying or whatever, and it's because I'm distracted, right? The match hasn't kept my attention. No moments throughout this, the main card, did that happen for me. And it was a long, yeah. it was a long pay-per-view. Very long night. But yeah, so I would say it was a meh match as far as those guys go. And we've seen them pull off a bang- bangers. And look, the thing is too, is this is the biggest show in the fucking history of wrestling. Mm. Like this should have been the match that you remember forever. Yeah. And it should have been that way for every match on the card. Yeah, the, look, the back end of the match did have that moment. Like I would say the last quarter of that match was really well done. But the first two thirds of that match was rough. And that's hard. It's hard to say because, again, you are talking about perhaps two of, if not the two best teams on the planet. Yeah. And at least considered to be. Like I also have my restraints when it comes to the Young Bucks. I'm not what you would call a fan of them, mm. only because I don't like their style so much because I do a, um, oh, shit, my super meter's full. Let's use every one of them at once in a match kind yeah. of vibe because it does feel like you're watching someone play SmackDown versus Raw. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've never been a massive fan of that. I like a finisher train, especially if it's a feud ender and maybe they steal their opponent's finisher yeah. and then they kick out of their own finisher because that's a time when you should kick out of the shadow machine. If the Bucks do it, kick out of the shit. And they kick out of that and then they roll them through. Double super kick. Oh, my God. BTE trigger. Oh, my God. Like escalation like that, I'm okay with that. But And then maybe go for a melter driver but then have it... <laughs> Like, I'm I'm all good for that. I love that kind of shit. But when it is, like, literally, hey, let's do every high spot in the actual universe, I, I fall away from those matches just a little bit. Unless they're a multi-team match, then I vibe with that too. But Yep. And I thought this match would have been the end of the rivalry for the foreseeable future, but the Bucks refused the handshake, and it looks like we're going to continue on. We will probably have... Young Bucks FTR four within the next twelve months, I'd say. You reckon all out, perhaps? Hopefully not. That's a week away. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. So it's gone, <laughs> so they can just be fucking finished. So we don't have to do it again. Yeah. Oh, who knows? All right, Stadium Stampede. I'm gonna say it. Fucking hated it. But that's because I'm not a deathmatch guy. There were moments in there where. As someone that does not like death matches, I cringed hard. But I think that's what I was expected to do as well. But I don't think it's a match that suits a massive stadium. Like, it was invented for an empty stadium during a lockdown. Look, 81,000 people watched a death match. If you're a fan of death match wrestling, that's a win. 
So I said that on Twitter as well. I was just like, hey, this was invented. Deathmatches were invented for niche, small audiences of deathmatch fans. And here we are, 80-something plus thousand people watching a deathmatch. Who would have seen this coming? So, yeah, look, for people that are fans of deathmatches, I'm stoked for you. I'm not going to say that they should ban deathmatches because I'm not that guy. But for me, as a guy that doesn't like deathmatches, I'm not into them. I could have done without it. Yeah, yeah, legitimately. As far as all the guys involved, I love them all, honestly. Yeah. Oh, like, dude, I, not I, really... I love every single person that was in that match. The one weird spot was probably Pentao Zero Miero. That was a weird spot where he got injured but came back as Penta Dark. <laughs> yes, yeah, like, a little you, bit of faces of Foley. Yeah, it was strange, but I think the other big learning from this, actually there's probably two big learnings, is one is English ladders aren't made the same as US ladders because that ladder folded so hard. And the other one is that Mox is a sick cunt. Oh, yeah. I think someone really needs to teach Penta how to put fucking skewers in someone's head because that was actually hard to watch. Dude, skewers dropped. I've taken the skewers. I've done that before, and it sucks. But it sucks way more when the dude's like, trying to get them in. Like, man, one or two real fucking hits, and that shit stayed in your head. Bro, I was watching that, that and I literally was just (laughs) That made me feel a little bit unwell because, yeah, it was constant. He did it like fucking ten times, and it was like, oh, man, just he's already dead. Just stop it. And then it kind of didn't even really stick in and it was like Mox had to touch it to make it expand. It just looked like a sushi roll stuck out of his head. And, uh, yeah, that was a bit rough. But, again, you're right, entirely right. We predicted this for this match, though, so it's not like we're expecting anything different. No, no, we we got exactly what we knew was coming with us. Yeah, it it was always going to be It did what it said on the box. Yeah, and that's what can we say outside of that? I love all the dudes in the ring. I would really have, like, much preferred to see... Any variation of them have a tag match. And the other thing I will say is, can we have Claudio and Eddie just fight forever? Yeah, please just give us a single match with Claudio and Eddie. Like That's literally all I want right now. That's, but that's, in saying that, I never want those two to ever resolve their rivalry. No, I want them to fight and then the feud can be over, but then every time they see each other in promos, they're just like, fuck you, yeah. fuck you, forever. Yeah, I'm um, all for that, please. Absolutely. Coffin match. Loved it. I'm not a big gimmick match person usually, but I loved this. I thought the intro was brilliant. I think Sting was AEW Sting is AEW Sting. He's an old dude that's doing way more than he should be doing. <laughs> and well, I'm, well, I'm, yeah, a huge, I'm a huge Sting fan. I've yeah. said it so many times that I was a WCW guy when I was a kid. Somewhere in a box, I'll find it and send you a photo of it. I still have my Sting black and white brawler stuff toy. I'm, I'm a big Sting guy, so I don't take it for granted every time I get to see him still do what he's doing at his age. Look, if he couldn't fucking do it, it'd be a problem, but the motherfucker keeps doing it and doing it. It's good. I'm fine. 
<laughs> like I worry for him every time, but yeah. he's okay. So as long as he's okay, I'm okay with it. I yeah, like for me as well, the coffin match is like this thing where it's almost got a bit of mystique about it because it, it does harken to Taker and all of those kind of matches. Yeah. And but that's what it needed, I think, on the card. I think we needed a moment like that that was just a little bit out of the normal, and it hits that that spot you were talking about last week about the the extra, the the celebrity extra, even though it wasn't one, just mm. having that kind of match on the card filled that void for me. And saying that, we did get our celebrity moment at the uh, event. Mercedes Monet was in attendance. She was in the crowd. Look, she started tweeting midday yesterday. And as a fan, I was like, is she trolling us here? Is this a troll? Is she actually in the UK? And sure enough, she was there. Just attendee. But if you had a look at the on-screen graphics, it was... Mercedes Monet, seven times women's champion, and her handle, her Twitter handle was in the graphic as well. Whereas normally when they do the whole, we've got somebody in attendance that isn't supposed to be here, they don't go to that effort. Yeah, and I do think it's a matter of time as it goes to Mercedes Monet, especially after seeing the women's match. I do think that, shit, it's something that they need at this point. Absolutely. I'm happy for Mercedes to show up. And I think it makes sense with uh, Soraya winning the title as well, like one of her greatest rivals of all time is in their vicinity. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's going to be leading, and I'm okay with that too. We've seen that time and time again on WWE shows where someone shows up in the crowd and does the wave and then you see them a couple of months later. So I I would not be in the slightest surprised if that's where we're going with that. And I'm okay with it. How did you feel with Soraya getting the win? I'm happy with it. It's fine. I, I legitimately, it's, fuck, she's been through a lot. Like I saw so much butthurt with her winning. There was butthurt in the build-up of Soraya better not win. And, look, I thought her entrance was brilliant. I love the fact that the family were involved in the entrance. Having Queen at Wembley, it's just, as a, as a music fan and a Queen fan, love the reference. And having the family who, let's be honest, AEW fans are a bit smarkier than your average WWE fan. So most of the viewers knew who these guys were. They know the history. So having them get physically involved in the match, not a surprise. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously seeing Soraya Knight in the in attendance as well, getting involved a little bit too. Yeah, no, I'm all for that. And and getting a fucking punch right to the fucking kisser. (laughs) Ah, she's so tough though. I've had the uh, pleasure of meeting her over here for shows and, man, like just cool. I remember there was a a period of time there where you had to cover your balls because a sack tap was coming. Yeah, just a real champion. Very cool to see her getting involved and having a bit of fun as well. And you know what? I don't give a fuck about the people complaining about it either because, again, just to go back to the point I made earlier, is that if you've got a fucking problem with it, man, fuck you. You don't know the story about all this. Just fucking overcome some shit to get here. Oh, exactly. and still to, cares enough about this business after it has fucking pissed on her face hmm. to actually come back and try. So, yeah, and, and, get she, and, and get that redemption at home, but not just at home, in Wembley. I don't think she ever would have ever dreamed that she'd fight at Wembley. No, and, like, after everything that went down, probably never thought that she'd be in anything even remotely like this yeah. again. Like... Uh, even on an independent level. Yeah. So it is just really cool that she loves this business that much yeah. that she has said, no, 
I don't care that they're going to say all this shit. I don't care that that's what they think about me. I am going to show them that I'm worth something. Look, so, yeah, and, fucking cheers to you for that. And, look, it's not as if Tony handed her the belt. She had to work to get there. Like, I think it's only her fourth singles match in uh, AEW, but still she's been through some battles to get there. She's They gave her time to shake the ring rust off because she had a bit when she came back, which you'd expect from someone who's been out of the ring for seven-plus years. And... She's now talking about potentially going back and fighting at Rev Pro. Yeah, and that'd be awesome. Honestly, one of the best redemption stories that we've seen. 100%. And I really just wish that wrestling fans would see it as that instead of being like, ah, oh, look at this. Because, exactly. yeah, it's, yeah. Again, fucking internet fans need to do better. All right. Nobody was surprised that our next match was an absolute banger. We talked about this last week. Sure, Jericho's an old guy, but he can still go. And Osprey can probably wrestle a broom for half an hour in a match and get five stars from Meltzer. Yeah, at the end of the day, when it comes to Osprey and Jericho, there were a lot of people who were naysayers for it. There were a lot of people like, oh, Jericho can't go. He's just here to fucking get himself over. But, man, fuck. Firstly, he just played a Bon Jovi-level fucking performance in Wembley Stadium when he was going like, whoa, and getting them to do the woes and stuff. That's legitimately from Bon Jovi Live in London. He did that during that concert. Okay, so I don't want to be a dickhead and correct you here. Yes, go. Bon Jovi also stole that. So it's actually a Queen reference to uh, Queen Live at Wembley. Yes, okay, there you go. Yeah. There you go. I just look at uh, Jericho and I'm like, that guy's Bon Jovi. Because like, okay? I know is. how much he fucking loves Bon Jovi as well. So, yeah. But no, like the whole thing, it gave that vibe to me. Like this as was, a kid there, as well, I there, was big into that. Like There was discourse on Twitter and in the internet wrestling community of this whole Jericho's just using this as an opportunity to play at Wembley. And my response <laughs> to that would be, if you had a band and you had that band's music as your entrance music and you had a chance to say that you played at Wembley, would you fucking not do the same thing? I know I would. I played at Wembley Stadium and I wrestled there afterwards. Yeah, I played at the same place as Queen. He got to be a rock star and a fucking wrestling superstar. A legitimate rock star. That's the thing is that, yeah, sure, everyone's ha-ha, Jericho has his little band, but, man, fucking Fozzie just played in front of 81,000 people in <laughs> Wembley Stadium. A band that so, was a joke covers band in the late 90s and has become a legit rock band. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, no, like full credit. And thank you for correcting me as well because I, Queen is my dad's music. <laughs> Queen's my mum's music, but I fucking love Queen. I think Freddie Mercury is one of the greatest performers of oh, all yeah. time. Oh, yeah. If you this want, is not there will a... be a supplement podcast about my love of Queen <laughs> that'll come out later. <laughs> yeah, this is not a, a down under the stage. Like we're not talking about <laughs> the fucking music here, although I could as well. But yeah, no, honestly, awesome. And as far as the match goes as well, I know a lot of people don't think that Jericho still got it. But if you really don't think that after watching the match, man, there's something wrong with your eyes. Because the dude, he's got it. And he always has had it. And he was severely underappreciated for so long during his WCW run yep. and then in the WWE run. Yep. And, man, I, it's taken so long for people to really get how good he fucking is. But, 
yeah, he deserves the flowers here. I've really enjoyed the match. And you know what? Again, he put another fucking guy over. For everyone who says that it's all about Jericho, man, he took, sure, he, he took the hidden blade. He took both finishes, but you know, Stormbreaker as well. But at the end of the day, that's his combo, so it's fine. I was amazed. I was expecting it from out of anybody on this card. I was expecting Jericho to pull it off. Was I was actually expecting him to pull out a Sister Abigail. Yeah, out of everyone on the card, I could see him do it too. Yeah. I'm really, I'm not disappointed, but out of no, everyone on no. the card, Sister Abigail would have absolutely would have suited Jericho. Yeah, and I mean, he had history with uh, Bray as well, so I was expecting to see it. But what I will say about this entire pay-per-view is, once again, Tony has done it, and he's pulled together a event that on paper doesn't look like it's going to be amazing, and we're all talking about it like... He's pulled out a miracle, but he does it every time. I think in the last three years has been one pay-per-view I've come out of, and I think it was the last revolution, which I was like, eh. Whereas you look at that same time period of WWE, the amount of times I've watched a pay-per-view and gone, fuck, I'm glad I don't have to pay for pay-per-views on WWE anymore. But yeah, I guess like the only other thing here to mention is that even though he's injured, Brian Danielson, he would have been the guy for me to hit the sister Abigail. Obviously, with the history with the Wyatt family, the fact that he was in the Wyatt family for a, while, for a while, it sucks that he was hurt though. Like, but outside of that, it would have been a nothing spot in the match, but it would have got the fucking loudest pop of the night. Oh, for absolutely, sure. I would have. Look, and that actually brings up another really good point: is imagine how great this show would have been if we'd gotten the people we were meant to get. This is. We went through this last year with the Forbidden Door period of time where everybody was injured. And once again, the only thing that was missing from this show was those people that were injured. Daniel Bryan, or Bryan Danielson, was supposed to be up against Osprey, I believe, which would have been a fucking banger. And um, Hater, it's a shame Hater didn't get her title match. Do you think, how badly is he injured? I don't even know the specifics of it. Is it I, serious? It's semi-serious. Um, I know he's I know he's still working backstage um, and it's one of those things, it's just bad timing on an unfortunate injury, I believe. Yeah, I would really have liked to have seen, even if he could have just done that, he could have run out and done it at some point in the match. That oh, would have exactly. been excellent as well. But, look, but if it's bad enough. But look, for those people that didn't make the card, they have announced that All In 3 is happening at Wembley next year. We, they're running it back. Tony obviously historically loves doing this. He chooses a venue. He chooses a time period. He knows that he can run it back, so he does. That's why we get so many matches at bloody Chicago. <laughs> and so this time next year, we're going to be talking about All In once again. And I believe it's going to end up becoming the WrestleMania, like uh, we've been saying. You would be mad, and particularly from the Wembley team as well, you would be mad not to look at the draw and everything and go, Pfft. Fuck, do it every year. You would be absolutely crazy, even if it's not just Tony saying that. I think the gate was somewhere in the vicinity of $9.5 million. So that is just That's actually phenomenal. insane. And, so, and, he's yeah. about, and he's about to make another million in Chicago in seven days' time. Because uh, apparently the card for All In or the draw for All In already is a million dollars without taking into account pay-per-view sales. That's for All Out, sorry. 
Yeah, again, I think you would be an absolutely mad person not to rebook that from both sides. Yeah, so, 100%. Yeah, no surprise. Look, do, do it twice at Wembley. Establish your yearly big stadium event and that's when we start after. I think you need to start touring it after that. Take it to other countries, take it to other big stadiums. I think there's a lot of room to grow as well. The things that I would say I noticed as a fan was certain things that you're used to seeing at a stadium due to WWE is over-the-top stages, which we didn't see. It was a pretty muted stage setup. We didn't get any big celebrity involvement and things like that. I'm not saying that it took away from it, but I think it could have added to the event. We didn't get any over-the-top sort of gimmicky sort of things that were probably going to entertain your younger viewers. I'm not saying that we need that, but it's probably not going to hurt either. There's just certain things that they could tweak and build upon this platform that they've clearly just established. And, look, I think that will be the smart thing, the way forward from here. But, yeah, at the same time, I think that we're in a really good spot with wrestling right now. That is, for me, the big thing is that wrestling is currently the winner because it's not necessarily about where you wrestle or anything like that right now. It's that wrestling as a whole has probably hit the biggest peak it's had in 10 years at least. Oh, absolutely. All you have to do is have a look at the names that were in Australia this weekend. The Australian market alone is popping so much so that we've had the GCW boys touring over here on the uh, East Coast while you guys had Minoru Suzuki and Loki fighting in Perth. Yes, yeah, it's crazy. And we've always had really good talent coming through here but there's just something special about this year at the moment as it relates to wrestling all over the world i'm not sure what it is but even the fact that arsenal football club had a tribute to bray wyatt the other night as well i thought that was just tremendous and it just shows that i didn't that, even know that oh yeah no they, they the entire crowd sung the he's got the whole world in his hands bit so oh that's beautiful yeah very cool but it just goes to show how relevant wrestling is at the moment but first, while we're talking about news, let's talk about Pro Wrestling Down Under. Pro Wrestling Down Under is a fantastic source for Australian professional wrestling news and upcoming events, as well as all the latest top news from WWE and AEW. They offer some great exclusive content from interviews, opinion articles, and insights from some of the top Australian wrestlers to make it to the big promotions overseas. PW Down Under aims to be a source of information for people looking to get involved in Australian professional wrestling with events listing, training school bios, and news on the latest seminars across the country. So if you ever wanted to get involved in Australian wrestling, this is the place for you. Visit pwdownunder.com. That's pwdownunder.com. Yeah. Look, this week we're not going to be uh, doing a show roundup of upcoming shows. What I will say is check out our sponsors, PW down under check out the website.com because they've got a listing of all shows that are available across australia and new zealand there's some amazing shows coming up especially in september make sure you check that out but do we have any final words this week from you shippy honestly at the end of the day i think that we have had a really trying time this week it has really tested a lot of us as fans 
and a lot of us as wrestlers as well. I know that we've had some absolute cracker shows this weekend coming through Aussie Wrestling, and I know that it's been a really good week to talk about all of that too. We will pick it up next week, and we will start to move forward with a lot more of that as well. However, we just want to be mindful to be respectful of the tone of the shows as well, because obviously everybody's doing a tribute this week. Everybody's really being respectful and kind, and we want to do the same thing as well. So yeah, nothing else for me at this point. Check us out on the socials. Please do follow us on X at DWN under the ring. Follow me at underscore warship and you at Awesome as well. Yeah, as far as things go, we do want to say thank you for not only supporting us, but supporting pro wrestling as well. I want to leave you with something special today. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here. And we'll see you down under the ring. Run. <laughs>